This episode of the UAE Tech Podcast is sponsored by Kaspersky. Kaspersky is offering our listeners a discount using the promo code ALBAWEBER that can be used on any of Kaspersky's consumer products on kas.pr forward slash ALBAWEBER. One more time, that's kas.pr forward slash ALBAWEBER. This episode was recorded with the generous support of the podcast studio at the Rove Hotel in downtown Dubai. From our offices in Media City, Dubai, this is the UAE Tech Podcast, a product of Alba Weber Group. Podcast sponsors receive EDM promotion, distribution across all major podcast networks, and publication on Alba Weber Business. Gold and Silver sponsors receive a six-month Pro Plus account on Signal Presswire. Go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash sponsor UAE Tech Podcast for more information. businesses uh, and individuals, they started to realize that as much as technology is involved in our lives, security has to go with that. We cannot keep um, developing and expanding the the reach of technology into all aspects of lives and businesses and economy without securing uh, these uh, technologies and systems. Um, One thing that demonstrate the the importance of um, uh, cybersecurity in that regard is the uh, I mean it's hardly now we can separate the interaction between the cyber world and the uh, physical world uh, so all the, the the ongoings in the uh, cyber world have direct impact and implications on the uh, physical world especially when we look at the um, uh, you know IoT uh, uh, industry, the connected uh, devices, smart cities. Now, the the technology doesn't have only an impact on financial uh, side of the uh, um, of the economy, but also it could have physical or provide brings rather uh, physical damage to to the society. Could harm people. Could make us lose lives. Even when you think of the healthcare uh, system, for example, they now use. Um, they have digitized almost all the tools they uh, and equipment they use in the uh, uh, healthcare industry. And if we can imagine anything goes wrong with these systems on, in, the, in the cyber world, in the digital uh, part of it, it will have direct impact on lives, on people, on the physical world. So the bottom line is that we hardly can separate the digital and physical world and that obviously uh, demonstrate the the importance and the um, um, the value that cybersecurity brings to um, economies to societies and uh, the the role it plays in uh, keeping economies uh, and and societies developing uh, as we go over the past 12 to 18 months digitalization has accelerated across the world economy and because of covid-19 in much of our daily lives. Our kids are now taught on digital devices, online entertainment from gaming to movies is booming, and we're turning to cyberspace for our health, to keep in touch with our family, to order food or pay the bills. Here in the UAE, we interact with government over cloud-based apps and services. All of this suggests an important and overlooked question. During this historical transition, how vulnerable are we? Is this cybernetic horizon really secure? 
As digital colonizes the physical, the range of cybercrime and cybersecurity opportunities are exponentially growing. At the same time, the depth and sophistication of cybersecurity operations is racing to keep up. Today we're talking to Ahmad Hafar, head of technical experts at Kaspersky Cybersecurity Middle East. Ahmad has managed large cybersecurity projects across the Middle East, Turkey, and Africa. From machine learning pattern recognition to analyst-driven intelligence, and especially developed iOS for the Internet of Things, Ahmad provides a comprehensive introduction to the new threat environments consumers, businesses, and governments are now facing. Today we're talking to Ahmad Hafar, Head of Technical Experts Middle East, Turkey and Africa at Kaspersky Middle East. Ahmad, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, John. So, to begin with, could you give us a short introduction to your role at Kaspersky and also the role of Kaspersky cybersecurity in the Middle East and GCC more generally? Right. So, I started with Kaspersky probably um, 11 years ago. I joined as a uh, pre-sale uh, uh, engineer working with uh, enterprise clients and then moved into uh, security architect and uh, security consultant all the way to where I am right now, heading the uh, team of uh, technical experts and security consultants in Middle East, Turkey and, uh, and Africa. So large part of what uh, my team and I do is uh, talking to our enterprise client to try and understand their um, cybersecurity challenges and the, uh, their requirements, their uh, vision and uh, strategies for the coming years, and then try to see how we, as Kaspersky, can help them to achieve uh, this uh, vision, to achieve their goals, and probably even to overcome any of the challenges they have in the domain of um, uh, cybersecurity. Uh, personally, I spend a big chunk of my time doing the same, talking to um, uh, our uh, strategic clients in, in the region, in addition to managing the team, of course, to um, set up with them long-term plans in terms of how we can help them expand uh, their uh, uh, capacity uh, uh, in the cybersecurity uh, domain and how we as Kaspersky can help them with our uh, experience, with our uh, technologies, with our uh, products and solutions to once again better uh, defend their uh, uh, networks and digital assets and uh, establish a robust uh, uh, cybersecurity uh, strategy. So for those who aren't too familiar with the cybersecurity industry, particularly in the Middle East, how have things changed over the past 11 years since you first started? Uh, I suppose that's the, f the first question. And the second is, in your view, what is the position of Kaspersky within the wider industry here in the region? Right. So definitely cybersecurity is one of these domains that is constantly changing. So thinking back 11 years ago, it was completely different than what it is right now. Uh, I mean, things are... Uh, totally different uh, than the, the way it was. And obviously this is in part because the technology is evolving, the uh, tools and the systems and the uh, uh, even technologies that uh, enterprises and clients use uh, are totally different than uh, even five years ago, not, not uh, 10 or 11 years ago. So the cybersecurity has to evolve with the um, uh, evolvement of the technology to keep 
pace with it and to be able to protect, provide the protection and the uh, to the defend these uh, systems and, and technologies as they uh, progress. And the more they get involved in our daily lives and in our businesses and uh, uh, government services and all the uh, other uh, parts of life. Um, now, when it comes to uh, Kaspersky role in the cybersecurity domain, especially in the region, uh, today uh, Kaspersky globally is a leader in the um, cybersecurity domain. We, we provide uh, cybersecurity solutions, um, services, and experience as well uh, to our clients uh, globally. We employ a large team of uh, technical experts and uh, highly skilled uh, individuals who work with us to achieve that uh, objective, uh, try and um, eliminate the risks surrounding our uh, customers and clients uh, globally, and of course, understanding their requirements, understanding their um, uh, needs and challenges, and then see how we can help in that uh, regard. So one of the things we focus on at the UAE Tech Podcast is global case studies out of the Middle East. And I think sometimes when talking about the technology industry in particular, certainly from my own experience and background, cybersecurity sometimes, at least in the mainstream, isn't something that's already spoken about. And yet in the UAE, it's a very big and important sector. And I personally saw this at uh, GTEx, which is the main technology event for our listeners outside um, the UAE. And there was a, a vast hall devoted to various elements of cybersecurity. So it's clearly of great strategic interest to this country and of strategic interest to the economy. And I suppose, you know, as the economy becomes more digital, as so much more of our lives moves online, is this a trend where cybersecurity isn't just becoming an institutional or government um, application, but it's something that is increasingly becoming a background service into many of the applications that, that serve our everyday lives and, 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 you know, basic aspects of the economy. You're absolutely right, uh, John. I mean, if we look at the uh, changes that uh, uh, cybersecurity went through, uh, especially recently, in the recent few, few years, um, now in UAE, they have uh, we have a uh, uh, part of the cabinet responsible of the country cybersecurity, and um, uh, the 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 role of uh, cybersecurity uh, uh, or CIOs or CISOs in any organization is more uh, has never been more essential than than uh, these days. Now, obviously, this is uh, because businesses uh, and individuals they started to real realize that. As much as technology is involved in our lives, security has to go with that. We cannot keep um, developing and expanding the, the reach of technology into all aspects of lives and businesses and economy without securing uh, these uh, technologies and systems. Um, one thing that demonstrates the, the importance of um, uh, cybersecurity in that regard is the I mean, it's hardly now we can separate the interaction between the cyber world and the uh, physical world. Uh, so all the, the, the ongoings in the uh, cyber world have direct impact and implications on the uh, physical world, especially when we look at the, um, uh, you know, 
IoT uh, uh, industry, the connected uh, devices, smart cities. Now, the, the technology doesn't have only an impact on financial uh, side of the uh, um, of the economy, but also it could have physical or provide brings rather uh, physical damage to to the society. Could harm people. Could make us lose lives. Even when you think of the healthcare uh, system, for example, they now use um, they have digitized almost all the tools they uh, and equipment they use in the uh, uh, healthcare industry. And if we can imagine anything goes wrong with these systems. On, in the in the cyber world, in the digital uh, part of it, it will have direct impact on lives, on people, on the physical world. So the bottom line is that we hardly can separate the digital and physical world, and that obviously uh, demonstrate the the importance and the um, um, the value that cybersecurity brings to um, economies, to societies, and uh, the the role it plays in uh, keeping economies uh, and and societies developing uh, as we go. I think that's a really fascinating insight, and it might even be something that hasn't written been written about enough. I remember reading um, this this great observation, which was that um, digital is colonizing the physical. Right. So that it's almost like a reverse process, you know, digital, particularly through IoT or Internet of Things, sure. which you mentioned, is moving into our physical lives in a way which is unprecedented. And that is having all sorts of shifts. But one of these is the question of digital security suddenly becomes, you know, far more important, far more of relevance because the stakes are so much higher, as you mentioned. Um, so I thought one thing we could do today, um, because this is you know, such a kind of fascinating topic that gives gives insights into so many other aspects of the economy is try and break down what cybersecurity is in 2021 and where it might be heading um, from a B2C to a B2B to, ev- to even a government right. layer um, because they all seem to have different priorities and, 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 and you know, different sensitivities. Um, so just, you know, from my own perspective... As a, as a consumer, um, when I think of cybersecurity, five years ago, it probably wasn't something in the back of my mind, but increasingly, you know, um, w- one thing is cyber, uh, Kaspersky produces very good content, uh, very interesting press releases on, on studies of global trends. And I remember reading one uh, on a video game called Cyberpunk 2077, which is incredibly popular. And it had a statistic, something like 3,300 uh, scams or malware attacks just for this one product right. had been detected. Um, and then there's also very interesting data on e-commerce, which um, is, is rapidly becoming one of the core sectors of the UAE economy, as well as fintech, um, as well as, you know, in the future, probably things like, um, you know, driverless cars and things like that. Mm-hmm. So should consumers, in your view, start paying a little bit more attention to this? Absolutely. Uh, because, um, look, technology now isn't a uh, thing that only large enterprises or governments uh, are using. It's something that all of us, whether or not we know it, involve in every aspect of our life. I mean, take a typical household. 
here in UAE, for example, you'll find a lot of devices that are what we call smart devices, smart TVs, fridges, uh, baby monitors, uh, maybe monitor cameras, I mean, uh, even smart watches, uh, not to mention mobile devices, laptops, and so on. A lot of, of what we do every day depends on these uh, devices and the technologies uh, behind them. And obviously, uh, one important aspect of all these devices that they are all connected to some network somewhere. So if it's not the uh, uh, Wi-Fi I have at home, probably it will be the 5G network potentially or any other form of, uh, of connectivity. Now, while this is very convenient, it brings a lot of uh, benefit uh, to us and it facilitates a lot of the things that uh, we do and want to do. Um, at the same time, the, 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 fact, the fact of the matter is that this connectivity and this, these technologies would definitely bring in a new host of threats that we've never thought of before, especially when we talk about home consumers, home users, because usually they're not the very concerned with um, you know, the threats that are after their um, accounts or the threats that they're after their uh, uh, devices. But having these uh, equipments constantly connected and constantly communicating with the internet means that they are exposed to threats that may not necessarily exist today, probably tomorrow or the day after. So it's quite essential to build with uh, the uh, not only company employees, with the average home user, a certain level of uh, let's call it awareness, cybersecurity awareness. So at least they are aware what potentially could go wrong. And I'm, talking, I'm not talking here about anything technical. I don't want to scare uh, those who are not really tech savvy. Um, but it's a, the, the basic level of understanding of what these devices and technologies are capable of doing, what could potentially go wrong. One thing that shocks me every time is that people, they don't really understand the value of their data, for example. For them, it's simply an you know, email address. It's just a uh, piece of information here and there. But all this has value, and there are a lot of uh, um, um, even organized um, uh, groups <clears throat> trying to go after this information and try to collect and harvest this uh, information because simply they do have, they know how to convert this, uh, this information into uh, monetary value. So unless we understand the value of the data, the threats that potentially could um, hit our equipment and our devices and the, all the smart devices we have at home, anything that we use really, uh, Unknowingly, we are putting ourselves and our families and our kids at risk. I mean, look at cyberbullying, for example. It's something that uh, any kid is potentially could uh, be in that uh, uh, situation. And uh, it is a fact that our kids are constantly on their devices, their tablets, their uh, you know phones, and, and online. So the chances of them being in that situation is quite likely. And unless we... Uh, educate ourselves first about that, uh, uh, um, uh, I mean, cyberbullying, that, that thing, and then educate our kids as well how to deal with that situation, how to react to it, what to do when they are in a, uh, uh, in a bad situation, should they talk 
to us or to someone else, at least to give them the guidance what they have to do. Now, all that can relate to the uh, topic of awareness. And uh, probably a few years ago, it was something, you know, it was kind of a luxury. If you, you're aware of these threats, if you know what's going on, well, you, you, you just, you have extra information than the, the average person. But today, I think this is the bare minimum. Uh, people need to um, educate themselves even a little about uh, these threats, uh, simply because we are all exposed to, uh, to to them constantly, and we never know when we might be we when might fall a victim to one of these uh, threats. And in that situation, we need to know how to react. We need to know what to do. We need to prepare ourselves ahead of time to try and minimize the chances of this uh, happening. Well, thank you for that summary of the consumer space. And what's interesting is that when you talk about this, we're not merely talking about cybersecurity in terms of um, traditional security or economics. We're also talking about social implications. Correct. And um, that is that is quite a new discussion. Um, and that's definitely, you know, one we'd be interested in taking further in the future. Um, so... In the B2C space for, for, for large organizations or for businesses, what do you think are the, the, the key challenges or the key things some of the clients you work with are looking for? How are they you know, interested in protecting their networks when they come to a company like Kaspersky? What are their key priorities? And I suppose, secondly, what do you believe are the key growth areas in that space in the future? Well, definitely one thing that almost all organizations uh, have in common is the, um, um, uh, the, the, the idea of how they can keep up with the pace at which cybercrime or uh, cyber threats are evolving. Uh, one statistic that uh, we, we have at uh, Kaspersky is the number of unique malicious codes that we see uh, every single day. Uh, for the past uh, probably three years, that was, uh, or still is, more than 360,000 unique malicious code every single day. To put this in simple terms, this could be looked at a 360,000 malware, new malware, new variant of, of old malwares that we spot and detect every day for the past, this is the number for the past few years, before that it was three, 350 oh. and so on. And this is Kaspersky alone, right? Uh, so in, in total, there is a uh, uh, huge increase in the number of, of malicious code. And it's not only the quantity of the codes, malicious codes, but also the sophistication of the uh, cyber attacks, the uh, kind of tools, the kinds of techniques and um, um, tactics that are being employed in cyber attacks to go after uh, b- b- businesses and organizations of all sizes. Um, and, and of course, the, uh, uh, the cyber criminals, they, they have no shortage of new uh, ways and techniques to, uh, you know, pull out a, uh, a, a new campaign or a new um, method of trying to penetrate into any uh, network. For example, we've seen attacks on uh, supply chain. Uh, now, this is a very well-known kind of uh, attack. Cyber criminals, they go after a, uh, a vendor, which isn't necessarily their target, 
but they will be the vehicle that will take them to their target. So um, I think the fact that, once again, all businesses, economies, societies, uh, and businesses, they are connected more than ever, means that even a, um, um, a, a vulnerability or a loophole in one of my partner's uh, systems could potentially affect my business as well. So this is something that also a lot of uh, my clients do think about, how they can protect their supply chain, how they can protect um, or ensure that their partners won't turn at one point in time as a threat to their business, how they will not affect their uh, business continuity and operation negatively because they have a, uh, a vulnerability which they wouldn't, uh, you know, taken care of uh, uh, in the past. And of course, there are a lot of other challenges potentially that could change from one organization to another. As you rightly mentioned, the vertical of the industry and each industry rather would have different challenges than the uh, other industries. So when we talk about, for example, healthcare, they do have a lot of common with other businesses, but definitely they have their own threat factors that they need to account for. They will be different than when we talk about uh, industrial facility and critical infrastructure uh, setup or even a commercial company. Uh, the size of the company sometimes would bring different uh, set of threats. SMBs or small, uh, small uh, uh, businesses would have different challenges that, than large uh, organization or government entities as well. So, as I said, they, they do have a lot of common when it comes to the... Um, uh, the the maybe shared technologies and the, uh, the 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 processes and the procedures that are common among all uh, businesses more or less, but then you get to the point where you see that there are different challenges uh, for different uh, segments of of the um, uh, and different industries. I mean, so there's a new series of new threat environments out there, and um, the volume of these threats is increasing. Seems to be based on what you said. And the capacity is changing too. Um, and it's really interesting what you said about supply lines from someone who is aware of history or has studied conventional security in that, you know, this has always been a way to attack the infrastructure or the capabilities of your adversary. Mm -hmm. And to see these tactics now moving into the new economy and the digital economy and to find new ways of defending against that in a digital realm is also extremely important. Right. Um, so, you mentioned critical infrastructure, and one of the things the UAE Tech Podcast does is, is really curates a conversation on how elements of the digital economy are merging with elements of the government and citizen services. And as you know, the UAE has a lot of smart city services. It talks a lot about digitalization and, you know, um, the vision for the future. And that's things like, you know, in automated driving or basic citizen services where you pay for your parking ticket and, you know, e-government where a lot of your identity services and, and your family services are online. So in the immediate term, already in the UAE, a lot of the ways we interact with government are via an app or via a phone uh, or, or via a digital access point. Correct. But going forwards, the plan is for, for this to, you know, really grow and, and, and expand exponentially. So many of the, the, the ways we interact with our governments to begin with are no longer physical. We're no longer going to an institution. We're interacting in cyberspace. 
Um, and then, of course, there's large events like the, the expo or, or, or critical infrastructure that we all increasingly are part of our lives here in the city. How does a, a company like Kaspersky try and think of this changing environment and, and try and work with stakeholders in government and the public sector to, um, you know, provide them with the, um, the, the security and the systems that they require? Well, John, one of the things that, uh, critical things actually that, that we do is we depend on our uh, vast uh, experience, and especially in the realm of uh, cyber threat intelligence. Uh, this is one domain that uh, almost all entities, especially when it comes to large enterprises, government entities, critical infrastructure um, uh, facilities, um, the cyber threat intelligence plays a very important role in um, not only providing the tools that uh, these entities can use to protect and defend themselves, but also to give them the, the vision and the heads up of what could potentially be uh, risky or be a threat uh, to them in, in the near future or the, uh, the, the far future. So, um, of course, we, we, um, um, we use our unique position uh, globally in terms of us being able to, um, uh, um, you know, build a, um, 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 a very robust database of threat actors globally, uh, track their, their activities and track the um, activities uh, uh, of um, other regional and global uh, threat actors and then provide this information to, first of all, we use it until we consume this information internally to try and understand the trends and where the, um, uh, the, the cyber uh, domain is, is heading, and then try to understand what tools and what technologies we need to start working on from today so that we're prepared for what could potentially materialize in the, in the future. But at the same time, we do have, uh, we do share these, these information, this intelligence with our uh, clients and our partners in the region and globally, once again, to give them that ability to predict what could potentially uh, threaten their um, um, organizations and their digital assets in, in the future. Uh, you mentioned, for example, the, the, the Expo and uh, a lot of other uh, regional, maybe global even events that are yet to happen. They are in the phase or, of preparation and um, uh, development. So it's a key element to be able to provide the um, intelligence, the cybersecurity intelligence, cyber threat intelligence, to help these organizations to, once again, understand not only the current uh, threat landscape, but how uh, this landscape could uh, shift in the future, what uh, threats could potentially arise in the future and uh, become you know, a direct threat to their uh, setup, a direct threat to their organization and uh, uh, infrastructure. Um, we also, in that uh, domain, work on the um, industrial and uh, critical infrastructure protection because obviously this is a very important uh, domain to uh, all societies, especially when we are in a country that is uh, constantly evolving and digitizing, as I said, uh, all the, the, the services. Many of the things that usually we don't, as uh, citizens, we don't see is that the 
I mean, we interact probably with the with the digitized government services, but there are a lot of other services which are also digitized, which we don't necessarily interact with directly, but they do affect our, us uh, indirectly. So one of the things that we work on is establishing, actually we had already established the, uh, uh, we call it ICS CERT. So it's an um, incident response team that is uh, taking care or looking after the uh, industrial facilities uh, globally, they track and hunt for um, uh, threat actors, probably even uh, state-sponsored uh, threat actors that are after uh, the uh, uh, industrial facilities and uh, industrial control systems, which again could potentially cause huge damage if they were able to, to reach these uh, setups. So uh, this team uh, within Kaspersky, uh, their role is to monitor these uh, threat actors, report on them, provide the intelligence to our clients, and uh, then try to shape our uh, uh, solutions and our services in a manner that we are ready to encounter these threats once they materialize. We try to give the uh, our uh, clients the heads up that we need to go in that direction or be prepared to um, you know, encounter that kind of threat, even though it may not necessarily be there right now, but there is a very good chance that it will in the near future. So this is one of the things that, that we do, not only on the uh, industrial uh, security part, but also on the commercial and government part. We do have a separate team that handles that part for us called the Global Research and uh, Analysis Team. They're... Um, Bread and butter is tracking uh, uh, global threat actors, especially the highly sophisticated kind of uh, threat actors. Um, the um, uh, you know APT, uh, the ones behind APT attacks, targeted attacks, and again nation-sponsored uh, threat actors. So they track these um, uh, guys, and then they generate the. Uh, the the cyber threat intelligence and the. Um, the, the, the report, the reports that we need to provide to, uh, to, to our clients to be able to understand all their tactics, their techniques, their uh, approach, what they're after, how they're evolving, and their motives, and so on. All this information and all this uh, obviously would help us to, uh, to tackle that, uh, that part. So I think based on what you've just said, it's fair to say that modern cybersecurity is a, a little bit more than antivirus software. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. It's, it's but, a huge, huge space. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, you know, you've, you've talked about intelligence there, providing human intelligence and analysis and research and analysis. You've talked about um, providing defense. You've also talked about offense and actually actively going out and, and searching for aggressive actors. Um, and I think that illustrates really well that there are, there are a lot of different capabilities and a lot of different skill sets involved in a modern cybersecurity organization. Um, so I guess one element of that um, that we haven't talked about is emerging technologies. You know, you mentioned cybercrime, you mentioned how these acts were scaling and growing. But what about the idea that new technologies will actually shift the sophistication of cyber criminals. So a potential hypothetical future situation in which, you know, basic AI bots can be launched um, by a malicious actor or um, a 
phishing scams become much more automated. Do you see that as a plausible future scenario? And how are companies like Kaspersky working to kind of counteract those trends? One of the things that we can't ignore is that as we um, evolve and as our technologies uh, evolve as well, cyber criminals, they do evolve as well. Uh, they do have their uh, you know, own ways of uh, uh, building their tool set, sharing their tool set. We try to track them, definitely they're tracking us and so on. So it's a ongoing uh, kind of game that everybody is evolving. Everybody is trying to make use of the technology to their or in their uh, favor. Uh, one of these technologies, for example, is uh, artificial intelligence, specifically machine learning within uh, AI. So while uh, we do use that nowadays uh, in almost all the, uh, uh, in everything we do, try to uh, benefit from what machine learning can bring to us in terms of automating and predicting how threats could evolve or where we can spot and find those uh, uh, threats. Um, Cyber criminals at the same time, they do use these same technologies to try and evade, you know, our technologies and our detection uh, technologies. So the uh, the thing is, it's, it's important to try and find a, uh, let me call it a formula, where we can make use of the technology or we can employ rather the technology in a way that would help us to gain that edge over uh, uh, cyber criminals. We can't uh, constantly say that uh, we are ahead of uh, um, uh, the threat actors and uh, uh, everything is fine. Because obviously it's uh, a matter of who keeps that uh, edge probably in, 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 in their favor, who is able to keep employing technologies and keep developing technologies as soon as they can, obviously, to keep that uh, advantage in their, uh, on their side. Um, so for us, for example, at Kaspersky, uh, we do uh, have a large part of our uh, R&D team. They're looking after the uh, new innovative ways of uh, spotting cybercrime, spotting threat actors, and then uh, hunt for their uh, uh, traces and go after them and try to eliminate any risks, protect our clients, and so on. Um, of course, one of these technologies is the uh, uh, machine, uh, machine learning. And as I mentioned, it's already embedded in almost all what, what we do uh, at the moment. We use it in different ways and in different uh, scenarios in different solutions so that it gives us the results and our, and our customers as well, the results they would expect from such a solution uh, to you know, help to understand the patterns, the behavior, the um, probably what the normal picture of a certain environment would look like in, in, in some sense, and then try to see if there is any deviation from that uh, normal uh, pattern. Uh, and obviously with the huge amount of data and a huge amount of uh, um, um, devices and tools that uh, companies are, are using, it's very challenging to have a human expert 
or even a team of human experts who can track and um, uh, you know spot these uh, uh, deviations you would need to have the technology on your side to help you to spot and uh, track and hunt for these traces and this is exactly what machine learning for example is doing for us uh, we use it to uh, um, identify these uh, deviations from the uh, what we would call normal patterns for example and then based on that we we react we set how we should uh, uh, react and interact with these uh, deviation and changes and then uh, try to uh, eliminate the risk uh, uh, altogether. That's so interesting. And uh, of course, it makes sense, you know, for prediction and pattern matching purposes, the amount of data that's being produced every day um, can only really be, um, you know, scanned at the surface level by a machine. And I think what is also relevant there is that increasingly, as we've discussed, as governments become digitalized and key services become digitalized, it's the same again, you know. Um, elements of AI and machine learning become incorporated into some of the digital infrastructure of True. how our societies work. Um, one thing I wasn't aware of, actually, is we had a previous episode with the Dubai Financial Services Authority, and they were saying, you know, we have some... some entrepreneurs coming to us with really exciting products but one of the first things you have to ask in our industry is what about security what about cyber security what are your vulnerabilities and that's a really big change because you know i was i was an entrepreneur you know five six years ago can you imagine going into a pitch meeting and being asked well you know what are your security capabilities i think the answer would have been hey you know i'm i'm at my seed stage give me a break yeah. But now that's changing, and it's something that, you know, obviously the fintech is a very specific industry, but I think that's increasingly appearing in other industries too that are, that are less, you know, obvious. Has that been something that you've seen as well, just this conversation kind of becoming much wider? Of course, because uh, even what you, know, you mentioned uh, the IFSC and uh, the, um, uh, the 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 uh, the questions and the requirements they ask from these uh, new uh, companies. Now, even the larger and already established companies in, in many places, even in Dubai here, they have to comply with certain regula regulations and, and requirements. And one of these nowadays is the cybersecurity. So almost every industry uh, now nowadays, they do have certain um, requ cybersecurity requirements and regulations that they have to comply with. Otherwise, they will be uh, vulnerable to... to, to uh, to cyber threats, and consequently, they will bring risks to the societies and their uh, uh, clients and customers as well. And obviously, the more critical that industry is, the higher the emphasis on the importance of uh, the uh, of cybersecurity. And obviously, because all industries now going towards, as we said at the beginning, they're going to toward digitization and uh, incorporating technology deeper and deeper into their business processes. That means any um, you know intrusion into these uh, technologies and the the tools they have in place definitely would mean a negative impact on the business continuity and business processes and uh, a lot of other negative uh, uh, outcomes so the um, more critical the the industry is definitely the um, the um, 
the higher what's on stake and consequently they need to comply with uh, uh, regulations and uh, uh, laws so that they ensure to the best of their ability that the, the they are minimizing the uh, the uh, the attack surface we call it the attack surface their threat uh, profile and the risks uh, uh, that potentially they could uh, encounter yeah, so I, you know, I, I think we've discussed the attack surface in that episode, and it's indicative in a way of how the language is also changing when you discuss digital on some of these platforms now that increasingly this language from the cybersecurity industry is beginning to appear in, in other industries. Um, so I suppose on that note, um, Ahmed, what about the future, the future for Kaspersky in the region and, and the future um, challenges and opportunities for cybersecurity more generally in, in 2021. How do you see the next 12 months ahead? Well, um, definitely the, uh, the, the main challenges we see are coming from the uh, advancement in certain technologies uh, around us, one of which is the 5G uh, for sure. This is a big topic that's uh, all over the place right now. And uh, because it's a new technology, it brings with it a new set of threats. Um, for example, we'll have more and more, obviously, devices uh, connected to the uh, 5G uh, uh, network. That means not only the regular uh, the we're familiar with smart devices will be online, but even uh, sensors and controllers and smaller and smaller devices will be connected or could be connected to the uh, 5G network. That means they are exposed uh, to the, uh, the 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 threats and the risks on the on the internet, and definitely we would need to have a way to try and uh, protect these uh, devices or even equipment and sensors. Um, so the uh, the idea is that any new technology, we would need to understand the technology, first of all, and then understand what threats this technology brings with it. Uh, 5G is just an example, but then there are challenges with blockchain, for example, how to secure blockchain implementation, how to, um, uh, even sometimes you will get into the ethics part of it, like uh, implementation of machine learning, for example, and how you guarantee that machine learning is actually working in the way it's supposed to be uh, working in. So all these technologies, I mean, we, we, we see them around us more and more as time evolves. Uh, probably 5G is the closest thing uh, to uh, uh, almost all, everyone uh, nowadays. So uh, all these technologies, unfortunately, will bring with them uh, their own risks. And uh, this is one of the things that we are trying, I mean, at Kaspersky, we're trying to work on, to try and understand how we can, um, you know, predict these threats ahead of time and then work from now on uh, creating the environment and uh, providing the uh, uh, environment that could uh, allow the to harvest the benefit of these technologies while operating in a uh, safe environment. Um, one thing that we are working on uh, and uh, keep developing is our own uh, operating system, Kaspersky OS. Um, this is a... Uh, a, a operating system that's created from from scratch. It's not based on any other uh, 
previous uh, uh, implementation. And it's not the, of course, the typical operating system you would expect to have on, on your desktop. We created this uh, 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 operating system specifically for IoT devices, uh, connected cars, for industrial control systems. It allows these critical devices to operate in a uh, secure environment. Um, and it, uh, at the microkernel level, it doesn't allow processes and applications, anything running on the operating system to interact with each other unless uh, the, the, the interaction path and interaction plan was there already. So it guarantees the uh, security and the uh, protection of, of, of these devices, especially when you think of IoT, because one of the challenges with, with IoT devices is that these are um, devices that are low on resources. So it's not the kind of device that you know you can throw in a security product that will protect the, the device. These devices has to come with security built into them we can just implement uh, security there. So this was one of the uh, drivers why we came up with uh, the uh, our operating system to set up that environment ahead of time for these devices and allow them to operate in a, let me say, naturally protected environment. So we don't have to worry about intrusions or processing processes being, uh, you know, uh, spying on each other or having anything malicious uh, deployed or reach uh, uh, these uh, these devices. Well, thank you for that note on Kaspersky OS, and that is extremely interesting given a previous episode we had with a guy called Sanmi Kochar, who represents one of the largest 5G telecoms providers in the region. And a lot of that discussion was about how 4G really changed fundamental aspects of the US economy and the world economy. And the next iteration of that um, was 5G. And a lot of the discussion was, you know, um, these are the trends, but there really will be new horizon technologies in the next five years utilized by 5G that at the moment we haven't predicted. But IoT will most definitely, without a doubt, be one of those. And as you said, there's a real issue um, from Hollywood movies to, to public awareness of, you know, hacking these, these systems very easily mm-hmm. or, or, you know, interfering in, in, in people's everyday lives. So that concept of having a, a specific OS to, um, you know, provide a de- a security and, and to track this is really interesting. And it's also quite obvious um, but it's not something that, you know, has been discussed in the past. And, of course, we all use OS every day, every time we go on our phones, every time sure. we turn on, turn on a computer. So it's also a sign of, of how things are changing. Um, and I think, you know, IoT and, and, and AI and, and 5G are all fascinating case studies. Um, the blockchain is also very interesting, though. So one of our first episodes was with uh, a guy called John McAfee, who, of course, has a background in cybersecurity. And um, we were sort of playing devil's advocate, but his argument was the blockchain is the future technology. Everything else is irrelevant. And the idea of this technology is it is trustless. Why is there a need for cybersecurity when you have a decentralized ledger in which every transaction is visible and there is no way of... Um, changing 
the ledger. And so he said, you know, this changes the fundamental logic of our economy and of cyberspace and, and, and of how many of our financial systems work. Now, of course, you know, we were pushing back a bit against this and we were saying, you know, if you look through history, there's never been a perfect system ever. We've, we've, we've often hoped for one, but it's never came. There's always been vulnerabilities. And it was a really interesting debate because on the one hand, you had the, the blockchain evangelist mm-hmm. who was saying, you know, this is the future, you know, and obviously he's a well-known person. He, he has a bit of authority. And then we've spoken to other people in the industry who are saying, you know, blockchain is very, very exciting. But again, there are different verticals, there are different applications, and there are certainly issues to discuss there. What's your take on this whole debate i mean i would agree with you that there isn't a hundred uh, percent uh, i mean we wish to have that hundred percent secure system but uh, the fact of the matter that there isn't a completely secure and immune uh, system as as a whole now probably we have to take that idea or expand that idea to a uh, more broader uh, context and look at the uh, sometimes the the hosting environment of of the system so there is a chance that when i'm not necessarily talking about blockchain now here but there is a chance that when you operate a uh, a system that's supposed to be uh, secure it might be secure in one aspect but the hosting environment isn't secure the uh, even the the, the, the physical uh, surroundings of it isn't secure enough, so it doesn't eventually lead to a completely 100% secure system. Um, blockchain, for example, depends, as you know, in certain parts on the uh, smart contract uh, concept, and in there you could find a lot of vulnerabilities, a lot of mistakes, which not necessarily have to be the typical kind of, uh, you know, vulnerabilities that we think of. It could be a vulnerability in the process, a vulnerability in the logic, a vulnerability in the way that a system uh, is is working. And then that vulnerability, at certain point in time, allows someone to take advantage of, of it, to exploit that vulnerability, and then probably change the way the system should operate. Obviously, the, the effect of that could be different from one system to another. It doesn't have to have the same results every uh, on every system in every instance. But definitely, we can look at cybersecurity from a much broader uh, perspective. And I think for the future, we should. Uh, because it's not only the, the fact that the software is secure, the hardware is secure, and that's it. We need to think of the processes. We need to think of the logic that drives the, the software on top of that hardware. We need to think of even the environment where the, uh, the system is, uh, is operational. Because all that would definitely have an impact on the overall security of the system. Potentially, certain part of it you can't treat, you can't modify, etc. But that doesn't mean that you cannot um, somehow modify the way it, it operates. I mean, I did mention the ethics part of machine learning, for example. Uh, one of the things that uh, people debate about is that how accurate machine learning could be in predicting certain patterns and and, and so on. But there is always an element of risk that the machine learning machine learning could be trained on a misleading data set that means its decision its logic is illogical 
you know? So that not necessarily a vulnerability in the system itself, but it was a vulnerability in the way it was implemented, made it weak, and then the results weren't the expected or sought after results. This potentially could affect any other uh, technology. It, uh, uh, the way it's implemented, the way it's um, uh, developed and put together, if there is a, 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 any kind of mistakes in it, it could potentially lead to a uh, bigger uh, threat in the future, which again, we may not see it, uh, today. Yeah, it's impressive that Kaspersky is talking about the ethics of you know, um, the data sets and, and training machine learning on, on data sets and how appropriate is a, a specific data set for um, pattern matching and pattern identification. And of course, there's also a wider debate on the internet about, um, you know, what is the appropriate um, balance between internet freedom and the freedom of to, to interact how you want on the internet, and then obviously legitimate concerns about the security of your activity, your privacy, your data, and, and in a way, malicious actors in cyberspace um, create that policy discussion for everyone. Because on the one hand, as you know, I think we discussed earlier, you want your kids to be able to play safely and, and to enjoy you know, an open, safe environment. On the other hand, you want to take precautions to ensure that's possible. So I think one of the interesting things about this discussion today is it hasn't just focused on economics and technology. We've also talked about wider social and ethical issues that I think might also be part of the conversation going forwards. Um, here in the region and, and of course, globally. Um, so with that in mind, what are your key hopes for your sector over the next few months here in the UAE in the region? What are the things that you're really excited about? Well, um, we're obviously, it's a very good or great rather uh, opportunity to be in this part of the world, part that is uh, you know, constantly evolving, we have the chance to uh, deal and work with the largest uh, uh, organization and a lot of the you know consumer even at the same time but it's a very um, um, uh, exciting to be in such a competitive challenging environment because that's obviously would bring uh, push us to bring the best uh, uh, out in us and uh, kaspersky as a whole globally i mean uh, we are uh, constantly uh, uh, trying to come up with you know innovative solutions and try to be ahead of uh, threats uh, to the best we, we, we can and uh, definitely this will uh, help us to maintain our uh, interaction and uh, dialogue and our re relation with with our partners and our clients regionally and uh, globally Ahmed Hafta, thank you so much for your um, time today and thank you for joining the UAE Tech Podcast. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, John. For more information on cybersecurity solutions in the UAE, be sure to check out Kaspersky's very own automated awareness platform at asap.kaspersky.com. That's asap.kaspersky.com. That offers training created by leading cybersecurity experts to help protect small enterprises who cannot withstand the blow of a cyber attack. Also remember that Kaspersky is offering listeners a discount using the promo code ALBAWABA, which can be used on any of Kaspersky's consumer products on kas.pr forward slash ALBAWABA. One more time, that's kas.pr 
pr forward slash Alba Weber. You can also follow Kaspersky on social media at Kaspersky. <laughs>